Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis and Denny Suplee here from Spark Rental. Hi everyone. Happy Tuesday. So last week, we brought on Kirby Atwell to talk about Airbnb investing tricks and uh, talk about how to make more money off of uh, short-term rentals. Always fun to, uh, to take a different uh, tack on, uh, on rental investing. <laughs> this week, we're talking about foreclosures. You know, it's an oldie but goodie kind of topic. It's a topic that is never going to go out of uh, fashion in this industry uh, because distressed sellers are one of the the best places to find off-market deals on properties, right? So, Denny, let's uh, let's dive right in uh, and start talking a little bit here about foreclosures. Now, this whole conversation depends on where in the foreclosure process you're buying, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a different strategy for buying short sales versus pre-foreclosures versus buying properties at auction versus buying REOs. So let's just start by walking through the foreclosure process because you have to understand the foreclosure process before you can start talking about different strategies for buying foreclosures as a as an umbrella topic. So Denny, walk us through the, the foreclosure process, will you? Yes. It's funny because a lot of people who are not that involved in real estate, but they own a home and they think um, that when you get that letter from the bank that you missed a payment, that it's already started. And that's so not true. It's it's no different than when the landlord sends you a late rent notice. Um, Oh, the foreclosure process is very long. It's it's, it's much longer than the eviction process. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think it would be great for us landlords if the eviction process was that long. Oh, no. Um, yeah, no one would ever make any money at all. You'd never seriously. be able to enforce your lease. Although in Philadelphia, it could be. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> once the payments aren't made and there's phone calls and more notices, we go right to the notice of default. And at that point, that's saying that you're at least 90 days behind and you better pay up or we're going to court, which brings me to the next stage, which is going to court. A complaint is filed um, and then a judgment's entered and, or a notice, I'm sorry. And then you go to the trustee's sale, basically. So this means that the property is gonna go to auction. So you'll see them advertised and whatnot and and then the auction happens and then somebody buys it. There's a transfer of ownership. And then yeah, there's a there's a whole minimum legally required advertising period oh, as well. For oh yeah, this, I'm I mean, just like, doing it. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's a quick. long process. <laughs> Very <laughs> many, long. many, many months. And then even after you get possession, like you purchase the house, if they're still in there, the owners, you have to go through an eviction. Right. So it, it can be a long process. So it's get very, yeah. you know get your ready to understand that that's important all right so a homeowner is having trouble making their mortgage payments now before the lender actually files in court for foreclosure 
you have a window there where the homeowner can negotiate with the mortgage lender for a short sale, right? Right. Uh, for the lender to accept less than what the borrower owes. So if if you tell us about that process uh, for investors looking to, to buy uh, short sales. Well, short sales, again, they can be pretty risky. First, you have to find them because we have so much on artificial intelligence right now. There is a remarkable amount of information that you have access to to, to find them. Um, I know I, I talk about this a lot, but one of my favorites is PropStream. Um, you can even find out if somebody is like in that 90-day period on PropStream in some areas. Um, so that's really wow. good. Yeah. So you want to find out. I get those lists. Obviously, you're looking in a location, I'm assuming. So you're going to look for lists for your location. And my father said, if persistence overcomes resistance. <laughs> so you can even catch somebody before they even get in a short sale sometimes. Um, but once they're in a short sale, you would basically negotiate a lower price um, and then hopefully get to the closing table. Um, yeah, I mean, I have always found lenders to be extremely difficult to work with short sales. I mean, they're... Um, very bureaucratic in most cases. Um, you know, obviously they want to get the maximum money possible for their loan yes. payoff. Um, you know, so they they are very reluctant to accept uh, a short sale. You have to really prove to them that the property is only worth that much. In my experience, it's very difficult to get a good deal on a short sale uh, as an investor. Doesn't mean that it can't be done. Uh, but in my experience, you're typically better off with with pre foreclosures, um, where you know no short sale from the from the lender is actually required. Right, and this is a little off topic, but try to get in before it even enters into any of that. Like, go reach out to the owners and <clears throat> send letters and whatever you can do to appeal to them. Look, I can help you here, and then explain to them you know, how, how you can help them. You can get a good deal. You help the owner and it's a little bit easier than dealing with the bureaucrats and the banks and everything. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, the earlier, you know, to your point there, the earlier you can reach the seller, the, the homeowner, the better, because they're going to be getting letters from Dozens, if not hundreds of other real estate investors also looking to buy this property at a discount. Uh, they're going to be getting letters from uh, attorneys, who, bankruptcy attorneys, um, mm -hmm. negotiation attorneys. You know, they're going to be getting just flooded with, with direct mail campaigns from people looking to make money in one way or another from Absolutely. this distressed property. Right. And um, networking is amazing in this too, because you would be surprised, especially if you live in the town where it is or nearby, who knows who, who knows who, and then you might have a way in. So, um, yeah. And so you can use bird dogs for that, you know, so a bird dog is someone who, you know, keeps an ear out for, um, potentially distressed properties or, or, you know, people looking to sell their homes quickly, uh, as opposed to necessarily for full price. Um, and then you, you pay them a, a fee for any successful property purchases that you make that they referred to you. 
Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, networking definitely helps. Again, you want to you want to get to distressed sellers before everyone else does, because you know, again, they'll be totally inundated uh, with with offers at that point. So, Denny, I was I was telling you before the show, I, I actually started my career working for a my my career in real estate, uh, working for a real estate investor who did this, who bought pre foreclosures, and what we found was that everyone wants to stay in their property. No one wants to sell and walk away. So, you know, we would give people two options. Um, I say we, it was really the, the investor I was working for, he would make two offers to people. He would offer a, just a, a flat sale amount, you know, for the seller to walk away, you know, just a straight purchase offer. Uh, or he would offer to buy the property and lease it back to the, the previous owner with the option for them to buy it back. And everybody took that second option. Like everybody wanted to <laughs> buy the property and try to lease it back. Uh, the problem is that they're not, they could never afford it. Right. I mean, they, they, they couldn't afford to live in the property to begin with. Um, right. And the rent was inevitably higher than what they previously couldn't afford as a mortgage payment. So, and that was kind of this guy's uh, strategy, right? I mean, he knew that everybody wanted to stay in the property. He knew they couldn't afford to stay in the property. So he was buying the property for their payoff amount, their mortgage payoff amount. Um, and then when they inevitably defaulted on the rent, he would evict, evict them. Some. And then he would go in and renovate the property and sell it. Um, and it's a lot so, easier for a landlord to evict than well, that's the right. bank the property. And, right. So, you know, as you can see, the, the ethics of this are a little complicated, right? I mean, you know, on the one hand, there's no deception involved. Uh, you know, you're, you're making a, a grown adult an offer uh, with very clear terms. It's up to them to make a decision. On the flip side, you know that they're probably not going to be able to, to perform, right? Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's thorny ethics. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that was this guy's strategy. It, it was all about buying pre-foreclosures. Uh, it was an effective strategy. Um, and today, of course, it's easier than ever to identify pre-foreclosures. I mean, there were times when he would have me drive to the courthouse to look these up. Um, oh you know, my you goodness. I remember today. people doing that. That's yep. Yeah. Um, you know, today you have tools like, uh, prop stream, like you said, like, like foreclosures.com. Um, um and you can even look those. on certain bank websites. Yeah. Um, but the flip side of that is that there's plenty of competition, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. again, these distressed sellers or distressed property owners, they're, they're going to get hundreds of letters. Um, so the odds of them contacting you, uh, you really have to go out of your way to stand out uh, from the other people contacting this distressed owner. Yes, absolutely. Or figure a way to have a relationship, you know, if it's possible. Yeah. That, that helps as well. <laughs> um, so after the, the advertising period, uh, the property goes to auction. Now you can, of course, buy foreclosures at auction rather than buying them either before the foreclosure from the property owner or buying them later from the bank as an REO. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but buying at auction pretty fraught and it actually doesn't actually, it doesn't happen that often. So Denny, tell us about that. How does that work? Well, I mean, first of all, you have to have your funds available and proof of it. Um, and you don't get to see it usually. Every now and again, they may have a showing period, but that is very rare. 
Um, so now you're buying a home where the homeowners couldn't pay for the mortgage, so they probably couldn't fix it and take right. care of it, and you can't see the inside. So you have no idea what it looks like. So there's a lot of risks involved in this unless you obviously are going to get it really, really inexpensive. And then you have to remember you're bidding against other people. So then you have that. So you have to know the numbers. I would definitely put in a significant amount for uh, repairs and upgrades just to protect yourself. Yeah. So mortgage lenders typically start the bidding at foreclosure auctions at whatever the total amount mm -hmm. owed on the, the mortgage, including late fees and legal fees, um, which in 99.9% .9 of cases is way more than anyone would ever consider bidding, right? So it's very rare for anyone to even bid at a foreclosure auction. I mean, most of these are just rubber stamped. You know, they, they, they go to the courthouse steps in, at least in a lot of states, you know, they announce the property, they go through all the legalese and they start the bidding at a price that's way up here that no one is going to buy. They say going once, going twice, no one bids and it's done. Uh, if a property has a very small mortgage compared to a high property value, if there's a ton of equity in it, maybe, maybe someone would bid. But like you said, Denny, you can't see the inside of the house or the property. So it's a total crapshoot. You, you just don't know uh, what the condition of the property is. So you also, I mean, nowadays you don't even have to show up at the sheriff's department they have them online now so they have forms that you fill out and you show them the proof and then you put in what your bid is and then whatever they do in the background <laughs> um, <laughs> but um like everything else that's also going to go but still it's still very very even if you drive by the outside and it looks wonderful you have no idea what's going on inside so yeah now the one caveat here the one exception is if if you have personal knowledge of the property, you know, if you have been inside the property as a, as a pre foreclosure call, like, you know, maybe you were trying to work with that uh, homeowner to, to buy the property from them and it just didn't work out. Um, but you know exactly what the condition of the property is. Maybe it would be worth bidding at auction. But again, you saw one snapshot of the condition of that property. It's going to be months before that homeowner is evicted. I mean, they could do a lot more damage to the property if they wanted mm -hmm. to. Oh yeah, that's that's good point. You don't, yep. You don't know. So even if you know the condition of the property that day, that does not mean that the condition will be the same by the time you take physical possession of that property. I mean, I've had people in rentals like destroy it because they were being evicted. So people get angry and if their house is being foreclosed on, they could do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So very rare that anyone buys foreclosures at auction uh, is the bottom line. So normally the lender takes the property back at auction uh, because right. no one bids. So the lender then has to go through a legal process of you know, taking legal ownership. That takes at least a month or two in most cases, sometimes even more. Uh, even once they take legal ownership, they then have to evict the, if the, the prior homeowner if that homeowner is still residing in the property. And that takes more months. But once the bank takes legal ownership of the property, uh, it then becomes an REO property, right? Real estate right. owned is what that stands for. So, so Denny, tell us about, about that process. Well, at this point, you finally can see the whole property. But even though it's on the MLS, you can put through an agreement of sale, but there's still a lot of red tape you have to go through because you're dealing with a bank and, and all of that. The other thing um, I find 
interesting is I just saw one recently and um, my husband and I were keeping an eye on it because it was an area we liked. So they finally put it on the MLS and they said that you can't go through the house because it's condemned. <laughs> so, I mean, that stuff is real. I mean, you have to be careful. But um, once once the bank owns it and puts it out there for the public, it's kind of like buying anybody's home, but you're going to deal with the banks. And need I say more? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so the process there is bank takes legal ownership. The bank takes physical possession by evicting the prior homeowner. Only after they get the prior homeowner out, they bring they hire a realtor, right? Yeah. They hire a local realtor, and then the, the the realtor gives the bank a recommendation on whether to sell the property as is or whether to make some repairs and and then sell it. And then they list the property on the MLS, and then you see it just like everybody else on the MLS. And at that point, you're paying market value for that property, right? By definition, because it's listed on the open market for anybody to see and anybody to make bids for. Right. So, I mean, don't expect a bargain, <laughs> you know? I mean, uh, yes, it might be a fixer upper and you can force some equity that way, but mm -hmm. buying the property in its current condition, you're, you're paying, by definition, you're, you're paying market value because you're competing against everyone else on the open market. And the process can be daunting still. Yes, it can. Uh, yeah. And, and like you said, Denny, you're working with a very difficult seller, a, a bureaucratic seller, uh, often a, not a very responsive seller, uh, someone who is going to take a week to get back to your offer, right? The only room for getting a, a discount on these really is if you're working with a seller who's so difficult that no one else wants to work with them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that becomes your your competitive advantage is mm -hmm. being willing to work with these very uh, difficult bureaucratic sellers and these, these big mortgage lenders. So that's a possibility. Uh, but people who do that typically specialize in working with these sellers and they end up building a relationship with the right. REO managers at these banks, which raises a second point, actually. Uh, big banks, you know, the, the big corporate banks like Bank of America and Wells Fargo, um, yeah, again, they're, they're big corporations. They have a, a, an entire department uh, whose job it is to, to sell off these, these REO properties. But smaller banks, local banks, regional banks, you know, it might be one person, you know, one REO manager who just wants to get these off their desk as quickly as possible. If you can build a personal relationship with that one person, sometimes they'll just call you up when a new property hits their desk and say, hey, this is kind of in your wheelhouse. You interested? Uh, you can potentially circumvent the realtor in that point, or you can you can hear about these before anyone else does. So you there is still room for that that personal networking, personal relationship with small banks, with, you know, with local and regional banks. Um, and that is networking is really really important um, overall. And you know, more and more as a society, we're going more into very unpersonal and get it done, drive-throughs and everything else, but um, getting to know the bank, who you know, different people, it it's, goes a long way. There's no substitute for personal relationships and connections. Mm -hmm. No. It's funny, my father uh, never, ever would go through a drive-through, ever. <laughs> he would go in and smile. They knew him, and that's, that's how he, he banked. And, you know... It's just, 
And he did. He built relationships and he was a real estate investor and people knew him. It's, so it, there is something to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So you are buying a foreclosure. How do you finance it? What are some options on the table for financing foreclosures? Well, I mean, if technically you can do it with conventional, um, there's hard money lenders and um, portfolio lenders. Um, you can actually, if it's a fixer upper, you could probably go through FHA and get their 403, I think a K or whatever. 203K. 203. I always do that. Um, (laughs) so there is, you can still finance it. Um, it's probably a really good idea to make sure that you have all this set up already. Um, you know, instead of just getting the letter that the mortgage, you know, your mortgage person might give you, you might want to already set it up, like get your, all your ducks in a row already. Like, um, so especially if you're looking at foreclosures and auctions and all those things, you want to get your financing set up. Um, so, you know, whether you own properties, you're going to pull money out or you're going to go through a hard money lender or however, make sure that you get it all set up. But pretty yeah. much most you can finance them just the same way you would do any mortgage. And Fannie Mae has a special program for these, right? Home path, yes, yes, um, and that's for first-time home buyers. Now, just to let you know, whenever Fannie Mae has a program, there's going to be a lot of things you're going to have to do to meet the requirements. Do like you know, take a class, maybe fill out a ton of paperwork, give them your firstborn child, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> right. But um, a, a lot of times they are good programs because they have you know, less down payment. They'll Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even give you money for construction and the interest rate often is lower. Absolutely. So. All right. And by the way, we'll, we'll include some links in the, uh, in the comments here for where you can learn more about different types of portfolio lenders. um, And we can learn more in our article about buying foreclosures. We do have a section where you can learn more about um, Fannie Mae's Home Path program and, and some other programs specifically for foreclosures. Right. Denny, any final thoughts uh, about buying foreclosures before we call this episode complete? Just, you know, I think it's a great sector of the market to, to maybe explore, look into, but be warned. We have an article on this. Maybe print it out and keep it as a reference. <laughs> As you're going through this, because there is a lot that you have to kind of keep your eye on and know the ins and outs of. But I think investors and seasoned purchasers are probably better for these than somebody who is coming in new. Unless you happen to see a property you love and you're a first time home buyer and that's the one you want, a little different. But um, if you're a first time investor and whatnot, I don't, I don't know if I would go in this direction no it, it's really it's a niche it's an investing niche that comes with a specialized skill set and there is plenty of money to be made among people who develop that skill set mm-hmm. but like you said denny it's really not appropriate for a first timer or a home buyer no no and i have a feeling we're going to see a lot of them but you know <laughs> <laughs> one piece of good news about that is that um, most homeowners today have fixed interest mortgages, 
there are far fewer arms out there and, and adjustable rate mortgages than there were 15, 20 years ago, uh, you know, before and, and during the, the housing crisis. So most people took advantage of those low interest rates that we had for so long um, and got a, a fixed low interest mortgage. So we're not seeing, you know, in 2008, one of the problems was that uh, those, those arms, those adjustable rate mortgages, the interest rates went up. So people's mortgage payments went up and it caused a lot of people to default. Uh, today, you know, far fewer homeowners actually have adjustable rate mortgages. So most of them aren't seeing their, their mortgage payments jump uh, alongside interest rates. Uh, so hopefully we don't see the, the same kind of foreclosure wave that we saw um, following 2008. Um, but no, I'm just thinking we might see a bit, of, not like that, but uh, we will see a bit of a wave because people are just now in the foreclosure process who had the, uh, COVID uh, forbearance loans, thinking right. that, you know, they didn't have to pay and it would just be, that's it, you know, but right. now they're- Free housing forever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing some of that. And then that's stopped a while ago, but this is about the time you'll see those houses come on the market. Yeah. Because like you said, you know, it takes a long time for foreclosures to go through the pipeline. So right. uh, it's a long process. All right. Well, on that note, uh, you guys, please rate, review the podcast if you enjoy these conversations that we have. We, we try to keep them you know, short and sweet and snappy for you. We will catch you guys next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, stay in touch. Support at sportcarnal.com. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Absolutely. Bye now. Bye-bye. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.